Welcome, everybody, to the Cog Bass Fishing Podcast. This week, interview with uh, Brandon Miller, a.k.a. Bam Miller. Brother, how you been, man? Doing great, man. Been doing a lot of fishing, so I can't complain. Yeah, I, I don't want to hear anything about it. Look, first things first, Bam, where, where did the nickname come from? Bam, so uh, when I was real young, I had a platinum blonde bowl cut. Uh, I, well, until I was probably about 12 years old. And long story short, we had a, a soccer team with a bunch of kids with Brandon and their last name's Miller. So somebody had to get a nickname and Bam stuck. So Bam Bam from the Flintstones, Bam, here I am. <laughs> All righty then. Well, there you go. If everybody wanted to know, now they know. It's nothing nothing over the top, nothing crazy. Nothing, nothing special, yeah. So, you know, you and I have known each other a long time. I mean, this, this isn't like I just picked out to hunt you down. But we've we've been around. I mean, like when I first started kayak fishing, you know, you you were actually were there at, at the beginning of this thing, you know, and working at Headwaters. And uh, I mean, I don't know, it's like six years ago, man. I mean, things have come a long way since then. Yeah, I think I was eighteen when I met you. Yeah, I, I remember the phone call very well. Actually, the first time I talked to you. Yeah, yeah I was living in I was living in LA at the time. The um, so. I mean, I think that's a, I mean, it's kind of a, a great place to start. I mean, then, you know, we obviously, we got to fish together a couple of times uh, early and we pretty much tried to do so, you know, every year since, which, you know, which I always enjoy. And uh, I know Jake enjoys getting out with you, but so you've always kind of been in that mindset though, right? So, you know, for people that don't really know what kind of, what got you into this whole outdoors thing to begin with? I mean, cause you've gone from kayaks to and I know you hunt, and I know you do the, the bass fishing on the boat side as well. How'd that all start? Yeah, so uh, I've been pretty fortunate. Uh, my dad is an avid outdoorsman, and then his grandfather was an avid outdoorsman. Um, they did a lot of uh, pheasant hunting uh, and a lot of fly fishing. Okay. So I, I grew up upland bird hunting uh, locally, just, you know, on uh, just different uh, agricultural tracts of land out here, and then. Uh, we kind of got into going to Nevada and doing upland bird hunting up there, which is a really extreme deal. A lot of driving, a lot of hiking. Uh, you got to really like to do it. Um, so I have two older brothers and they didn't take to it quite as well as I right. did. My dad kind of just threw us in the fire. It was, you know, if you want to go out and hunt and fish, this is the type of hunting and fishing that we do. Right. There was no, let's take them bluegill fishing and, and, break them into fishing or, you know, let's just go to a club and, and shoot some pin raised pheasants or whatever, you know, it was, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it with a fly rod and the high Sierras and hiking, you know, for fishing. Yeah. And then if you're going to be hunting, we're hunting for wild birds and you're going to be walking miles on end. And, uh, so my brothers didn't take to it. There's just something in me that, uh, was genetically passed down from my dad that, that, uh, really made me love it. And there's no, more comforting place for me than just to be outside. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've got a ton of respect for your dad. Obviously got to, you know, fish with him a couple of times and hang out and have a few surveys and whatnot. But man, I'll tell you nothing, nothing sticks out more in my mind. than that one, and it's been, dude, it's been years ago. It's probably before it's probably four or five years ago that, you know, we went out with him and he, he was just like in an old school freaking kayak and he whipped our ass with that fly rod on the Delta yeah the dude is no joke with a fly rod like yeah it it makes no sense to me you know for the average person where they'd be fumbling with the line and you know me i've, I've fly fished for years but 
it's always such a struggle. And that guy can catch fish in any situation you put him in with a fly rod. It just blows my mind. Yeah, it's, dude, it, I mean, it was nice, but painful, you know? It, it, I, it is painful. It's a, it's a hard, uh, it's a hard loss to take when, when you've got a guy with a fly rod just whooping on you, especially yeah, on, on the Delta. It, on the Delta. That's like, what I was going to say. It's like, and, and on the Delta. Uh, yeah, man, that was, that was nuts. So, so with that, you know, you, you've been kicking ass and taking names, you, you know, on the, on the kayak tournament scene. What some people that are paying attention to the kayak results may not realize is, you know, you've been fishing on the bass boat side for a while and kind of and backed away from the – we hadn't fished together in kayaks in a couple of years. We'd always been doing the boat thing. I'm not really sure. I mean, it wasn't like a planned thing for me to kind of like leave the kayak scene or anything, you know. Uh, but I had bought a boat when I was working at, at Headwaters and simultaneously completely unrelated had you know found a new job and you know just kind of growing out of that one and getting into another one um and so i just kind of naturally kind of drifted away from the kayak scene you know uh and with that you know i got super into tournament fishing i had done a few kayak tournaments prior to getting a boat and i already knew i i loved the competitive side of things i've played soccer my entire life so I'm a really competitive mm-hmm. person. Uh, my knees aren't what they used to be, so I can't really run around. Um, so this at your ripe age of 24. At my ripe age of 24, but you know, you you get six, yeah. 16, 17 years of uh, of uh, competitive soccer. Pounding, it's yeah. just kind of my knees just I just can't really do it anymore. So and then you know just getting lazy overall. But my competitive nature uh, is being uh, nourished, you know, by uh, by kayak fishing or, right. or you know tournament fishing in general. But uh, once I kind of had figured out a few keys to success or what what have you, you know, with tournament fishing, it just really seemed to make a lot of sense for me to go back to the kayak where, you know, I really started. So, yeah, here I am fishing them again. And, man, I've, I've been having so much fun out of the kayak. I forgot how awesome it is. Yeah. And you I mean, you've done well um, since you jumped back in. I mean, you know, had a couple of events last year. You know, on the Delta, I know you fished. You know, you and Jake fished a, an event. Or you fished an event. Jake, you know, sp- kind of following it, you know, tagging along with you just for the age thing. And I know he really, you know, enjoys that. But you've been, I mean, this year, you've done well. You've done real well. And I, th- I think it's been great watching. Because you've been successful on the boat side. And the transition back over to kayaks was, I mean, some would say seamless. Yeah, it's been, you know, there's this year especially – with the events that we've had um i've had a few tournaments on the boat that uh i spent a lot of time on these fisheries the delta i live 15 minutes from the delta it's my home water i know it like the back and i learned so much about that lake last year around the same time that the the event was you know uh, kind of early mid-spring and then uh, this year too and just the time that I put in on the water there just it just seemed to translate so well to the timing of the events that were out there for the kayaks and uh, I don't know I feel I feel like I worked really hard for for that Berryessa event it felt so good to get that first kayak black and uh, and just do well there after putting so much time in on the water right and I know you know a lot of people I think what what they don't understand you know when they look at you know your success that you've had on the boat side and then transitioning back to the kayak piece, you've remained humble through this whole thing. I think that's the, the part that has stuck out to a lot of people, uh, especially, you know, that are 
or a couple age brackets uh, above you or one or two that are like, you know, shit, this kid's tearing it up. He's doing great stuff, but he, you've stayed level. You know, you've stayed very humble. And, and I mean, I know where that comes from, but we're, I, you know, I'll just lead you into that. We're, what do you attribute that to? You know, I don't know, man. I got, I got, a, you know, my, my parents are awesome for one, you know, I, I've, there's never a time in my life that I could say that I've really been without um, but there's never been a time where I haven't been appreciative for what I've had either. Um, and I mean, yeah, there, there's nothing, there's no way around saying that my parents are, are fully responsible for that. You know, they always made sure that we understood how things work and, and why we were able to enjoy the things that we were enjoying, you know? And then the other thing is too, is, is with fishing, just with my personal relationship with fishing is, is I know that the bites that I get one day, they may not come the next, you know? Uh, and you, you, you always got to be really appreciative yeah. and thankful for the opportunities that you get while you're fishing and just capitalizing on them. And, you know, for just as many tournaments that I've done well in, I've done bad in too. So I can't forget those days that I've grinded out and not done well, you know. I mean, this 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 hot streak or what have you that I'm on right now, uh, it could end just as quick as it started. So I'm just going to enjoy it while it's going on and keep working hard and just hope it, it keeps panning out the way that I want it to, you know? Yep. No, I understand that completely. So in, in the midst of all of, all of this stuff, I mean, you've pretty much gone all in from a, from a fishing industry mindset. You've got, when did you start Guru Rods? I mean, for those that don't know, they're listening, you know, you started building your own rods. Yeah. So I started building rods, man, I, I, I want to say about five years ago now. I think is when mm -hmm. I first initially got into it. And of course I just got into it as sort of a hobby. I, I think it was November of 2014. Uh, yeah. November of 2014 was when I ordered my, my, all the tools for it, you know, and my first blank and, and set up to make a rod. And it was something to do after work that was fishing related since I got off of work and it was dark. I couldn't go fishing, you know? So uh, I started right. building rods and then just really got into that. I mean, I've always kind of been kind of the person that likes to take things apart and see how they work, but haven't always been able to put things back together. Um, mm -hmm. But with that mindset, I've been really able to figure out what rod is good for what bait and, and to make them exactly the way I want to make them. And pretty soon it, it sort of just caught on to, oh man, could you make me one of those rods? That thing is sweet, you know? So yeah, sure. No problem. And then next thing you know, it's, it's something I'm doing full time and, and I'm really enjoying it. And it, there's a lot of struggles that come with it, but it's been uh it's been a really cool journey with the whole rod building thing. I like it a lot. Yeah. And I know, I mean, I remember crap once again, I was still in LA when you were trying to figure out what to name the company and where did you get guru from? Yeah. Yeah. So I initially started calling them just BAMS custom rods, you know, and then, uh, uh, my good friend Cole, Cole Daniels, and his girlfriend, uh, I, which I haven't seen them in in a while, and I'm, I don't like that very much. But uh, it, we were hanging out a lot, and he's a real good fisherman. He's from the uh, from the Bay Area, and uh, we were both really into kind of underground and old school hip hop. And so Guru is yep. the MC or the rapper in the group Gangstar which is a like late nineties, early two thousands uh, rap group. And so we would go out and we'd be fishing a lot. And at the time I was going through this weird, you know, little breakup or whatever. It's kind of like my first long-term relationship that didn't work out. So yeah. I was like in a weird kind of funk, you know, but I spent all my time fishing 
and listening to to this type of rap and especially this this one group of guru you know and so one day i was talking with him about it and he goes man you should just call it guru rods you know that's a pretty cool name and it's has a lot to do with why you fish so much you know and i was like yeah that's i like that that's pretty cool so uh, I decided to call it Guru Rods thanks to Cole, and then uh, his girlfriend Alyssa had made the uh, the logo for me, and that's kind of all she wrote with that. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, I mean, I I remember the story, but man, it's it's worth hearing again for damn sure. The uh, so I mean, what's what's next? For, where do, where do you see it going next? You know, I don't know. Um, I'm just trying to grow the uh, the whole rod brand as much as I can. Um, it's just me doing it. Um, so there's only so much room for growth of that at the moment. But as I learn how to run a business and, um, and be successful on my own, I hope to see that grow and become something that I can really rely upon, you know, as a career. And if that doesn't work out, then mm-hmm. you know, my ultimate goal really is just to find a niche within the fishing industry, whatever it may be, whatever my niche truly is, is, is what I want. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really have like right. any sponsorships. I mean, I, Headwaters Kayak has, has really always had my back, you know, and that's, that's I, I guess you could look at that as somewhat of a sponsorship, but more than anything, it's more of a friendship that I've had with Dan throughout the years, um, you know, and, and just him kind of supporting me through, uh, through me trying to make something out of this, you know. Right. But I don't really look to pursue any sponsorships. You know, if something comes my way, that'd be great. But ultimately, I just, this is what I love to do. And I just want to spend every single day of my life doing something that has to do with fishing. And that would make me a happy guy. Right. It's awesome, man. Awesome. What's your uh, next event? Uh, next event, uh, let's see, on the kayak side of things. Either one, man. Either one. This, brother, this is your dime, man. You you can talk about either side. See, boating. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, so uh, Sunday I've got a little turkey shoot I'm doing at Lake Comanche out of the boat. So that should be a good time. I haven't been there in a little while, but I would imagine it's fishing a lot like uh, Maloney's or, or pretty much any of the lakes around here right now, and I could probably get them pretty good on a jig, so I'm looking forward to that. And then I have a Delta event, I think, the following weekend on the boat. and then. The next kayak event is next month. I can't yeah. remember if it's Sugar Barge or Paradise through Yakabass. And in all honesty, the kayak events are like what really have me excited. It just have me juiced to fish lately. But it's it's just kind of because I've done so many boat tournaments. It's, for the last couple of years, I've fished three, right. two to three derbies a month. You know, so so getting back into the kayak, it's kind of thrown a new twist on things. Even though I've been in the kayak fishing for yeah, I don't know, eight years now. It's just the competitive side of it is just totally different, and I've just been so stoked every time I get to go do right. it. Right now, did you? I know you and I talked before the New Maloney's event because I was up, you know, up in Lodi. And we were going to try to either a get out and fish or or b get this thing done face to face, and that didn't work out. Uh, based on schedules, yada, yada, because that's the way those roll. But um, did you stick with the jig at New Maloney's? Yeah, so at Maloney's, I, I, I went to the exact area I wanted to fish, and there, there ended up being way more people that launched there than I had anticipated. Uh, but nobody mm-hmm. fished the bank that I fished the whole day. So I was, I was really excited to see that. So I, I was going to just haul butt way to the end of this bank and then work my way back for the rest of the day. But when I saw that there was nobody there, I was like, no, 
I'm just going to stop at this nice tapering point, throw some top water and see what happens. And after about 30 minutes of that and two short fish coming up to check it out, I said, nope, I'm just going to throw the jig the rest of the day. So I threw a half ounce finesse jig for like seven hours. And uh, I probably, I don't know, had an 80, 90 fish day and just weeding, weeding through a lot of like 12, 13 inch spotted bass. And then every once in a while you'd get a two and a half, three pounder, you know, 17 incher. And it was a, yeah. uh, it was a super fun day, man. I, the lakes up here and the way they eat the jig this time of year is just, you just can't beat it. Yeah. Just epic. Yeah. I was happy. To, I mean, unfortunate that I didn't get to, you know, I didn't go up there, but um happy to see that just the grotesque number of fish people were were catching oh yeah that was awesome oh yeah because you know when you see what was i think 800 fish or something like that were put up like you know everybody had a good time (laughs) you know i mean and and that's well and that's the idea you know right yeah you want everybody to go out and catch fish and have you know and that's and that's what something that uh this guy brian monkey told me a few years ago when i really started to get into uh, the boat tournament scene is he's like you got to go out and catch five fish and that's your goal. You know, it's, it's you versus the fish. You got to go out and catch your limit. And if you're fortunate enough to get a limit that catch you a check, awesome. If it's, you know, if it's not, then you just got to figure it out next time how to get bigger bites. And some days the bites, those big ones just don't come. You know, you could be doing all the right things, but the big fish just don't line up on the cast that you threw. Yeah. Yep. That's a fact. And then depression yeah, yeah, sets and then depression sets in. Exactly. Because I've, you know, I've been yeah, there no where I've, I've practiced so hard for tournaments and, you know, just put so much time and not only time, but money into it, you know, it's, it's expensive to go out and fish, you know, and, and then you, and then you yeah. do well in practice and you're going, oh, this is going to be good. And then you get up there and, yep. you know, you know, it's just, everything goes to shit and you're like, what just happened? You know, all after all. Yeah, you that, get your ass handed to you. Right. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, obviously been down that road and it's. I mean, we've gone out and hey, we thought we had we had a great plan. That mm-hmm. plan went to shit, and then you know, okay, well, we got to figure out something just to grind so we're there will be no skunk, you know. But you know, just kind of, it just kind of is what it is. That's why you know, obviously, it's why it's fishing and not catching, and and why I'm tired of eating humble pie because I mean, those damn fish do it to you more often than than you care to. Right. And that's I don't know. That's I think that's what attracts so many people to fishing is is the unknown and the what ifs. You know, if, yeah. If yeah. it was the same thing every time you went out, uh, you get sick of it real fast. You know, but it's just such a challenging sport. Every time you go out, you, there's there's something new that you you have to figure out and overcome. And that's that's one of my favorite things about it. You always got to be thinking. You know, and and to somebody that doesn't fish, you know, it's especially when you're just saying that you're going out and tournament fishing, you know, and winning money or whatever. And somebody doesn't fish or bass fish, especially, they just think you're out there sitting with a worm and a bobber, you know, with your thumb up your butt, just hanging out all day. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. They don't realize how much work goes into it. And thought goes into it. I don't know. It's, it's cool to the, to the unexperienced person. What we're doing is not, not challenging at all, but for those that know, this is an incredibly challenging sport that uh, you got to be physically capable of doing and mentally. So absolutely, and I think it's part I've always enjoyed about it. It is the mental part, you know, and in the you know mental part, the preparation, and you know when you got your shit squared away, things just kind of they all for me anyway typically just kind of line up. You know, I I can't I can't be settled on the boat when shit's not in the right place the way it's supposed to be. 
that kind of deal drives me nuts, man. When I got it all dialed in, mm-hmm. it, it's just, it makes everything else that much easier, but it is, it's a, it's a mental and a, you know, just being prepared type of scenario. Right. I think that, yeah. And the preparedness like aspect of it, I think has a lot to do with just your focus on, on your actual fishing. You know, I mean, there's times like with the Delta event where I'd just kind of be aimlessly fishing mm-hmm. and I don't know what, what would happen, but just like on a certain cast, I would be like, ultra focused you know just just this prime amount of, of focus that i have on this one cast and i would just in my own head be like i'm gonna catch one right now yeah and i would <laughs> you know it's just so weird after after all these casts i'm telling myself i'm gonna catch one right here and i think it's just you know, i'm so focused on what i'm doing i'm really making sure that i'm doing whatever technique i'm doing correctly and that i'm feeling for the bite and it and it comes, you know, it's, it's weird. So if like, yeah, you're prepared and you're lined up in your boat, everything's set up the right way. All you have to think about is catching the fish. Yeah. And that's what happens, you know? Yeah. Well, and that, you know, it's one of those things I've, you know, obviously talked to other anglers about it's they're like, hey, man, how do you, you know, whether you're executing this with a jig or a few other things. And I, and I just told us, look, at the end of the day, to me, it, it, it boils down to accuracy with your cast. I mean, if you're fishing open water, well, okay, whatever, your video game fishing, drop shot and down on stuff, who cares? But for the vast majority of stuff that when I catch all my good fish, it's been a, it's been a really good cast. And it's been in that spot where, hey, I know if I get that son of a bitch in there, I've got a great opportunity because there's a fish I'm about to, I'm about to wake his ass up. And, but it, it leads into that. You know, you've got to right. me when you're not focused you know, and you've got that hyper focus, you can't get to that stage. You know, you just can't can't get all the way dialed in to where you realize, right. oh, look, that reed just moved. Hmm. The wind's not blowing. Hmm. But it, it but I think that's what it takes. It, yeah, I think it's the small details, you know, yeah. in, in anything, you know, not not just fishing. And like that's I, you know, anybody that knows me knows I I have the potential of being pretty corny, you know, or like or you know really, really really looking into the you know deep into things a lot deeper than i probably need to be or should be <laughs> yeah what but uh but I, I think there's a lot of things in fishing that you can just directly relate to life you know i yep. mean it's like yep. you know the the number one thing you can always maintain in fishing is patience like there, no matter what you do you can never take patience out of fishing you know, whether even if you're fishing the fastest reaction bait that's available, you still have to try to pick apart the subtleties of that bait and be patient to, enough to make it work. You know, it's I don't know. It's and it's just I think it just translates directly over to life. It's, if you don't have patience with things like nothing good's going to come for you. You know, if you don't spend the time figuring out the things that you don't know how to do, then they're going to come and bite you in the ass. You know, it's, it's yeah. I don't know. I've, I've always really enjoyed that part of it too, is it's just like, uh, it allows me to slow down and I can look at fishing in the way that I need to look at my life. And every once in a while, if I have a good enough day of fishing, I kind of realize that. And then it seems like my life goes real well for the next several weeks after a good day of fishing, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's really interesting how that, how works. that works. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's, that's a fact. Well, ma'am, I've, uh, I've taken up enough of your time, bud. I appreciate, uh, you, you taking the time today and uh you know we'll we'll definitely chat soon i'll be up in your neck of the woods here in the next month or so and we're going to uh we're gonna have to you know neither one of us needs to get sick and 
we we need or mm-hmm. got to pay attention to the weather because I think that's been the case, right? We've been weathered out, we've been sick, we've been work, we we've had everything happen so far this year. So worst case scenario, I think maybe we just plan a, a medieval striper outing, you know, late October time frame. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's. I mean. That's always a good time to go fishing, and yeah, we just got to make it happen. Yeah, you're right. There was one day I think you were up here, and it was just too windy for us. To it go. was wind and rain. It was just it was, obnoxious. Where you know where we wanted to fish. Yeah, I mean, not that we're opposed to rain. I don't. I don't care about being wet, but we were just would have been blown out. With no sense in it. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's let's put that on the table because man, that that striper deal, yeah. man, that's that's the game, bro. It's a lot of fun, man, especially when you get on the stripers and when you get sick of doing that, you just go and catch the big fish out in the delta, you know, some big bass. You can't really beat yeah. that. Or or like the one of the times we did go striper fishing, we put Jake in the middle of us and he just catches everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he annihilated every species day. on the same. That was, that was ridiculous, that, dude. I, I'm surprised, like, his head – even got through the door it was it was tough it was a tight squeeze you know but that's that's another thing i've really enjoyed about knowing you is you know jake and like watching him kind of grow up through the ranks of fishing you know he's kind of had the upbringing that uh i mean i obviously can't complain about my upbringing one bit but in terms of bass fishing i really would like to have been exposed to the level of bass fishing that he has been and it's been real cool to watch him get better and better you know i spend what you know pretty much i don't see him for a year and then i see him again and it's like a totally different fisherman every time i see him you know so it's it's been pretty cool watching that yeah yeah and i know you know he's got he's had a lot of really good opportunities he's learned a lot this last year um which is nice and it's the thing too that that i've really enjoyed about the kayaking community is you know whether it's Kenny Jablicki or Dwayne Taft or Jamie Broad or whoever, he, you know, fishing with you, um, you know, guys up, uh, I mean, Greg Blanchard's sat down and talked to Jake quite a bit. So he's, but none of these guys are like, Hey dude, you're going to need to pay me for guide service or you're going to be doing this. I mean, it's just been like, Oh yeah, sure. Hey dude, let's go. He casts Mm -hmm. a lot less when he's out with somebody because he's actually paying attention to how they're fishing. You know, um, and I think that part's right. been fantastic because I just told him, look, you can't, you know, you're not going to get anywhere fishing like me. You got to fish like what's comfortable for you, you know, and you got to figure out that deal. And so he's, he's improving, right. you know, he, and for me too, he's kind of taken a step back since the national championship. You know, he's, he's pursuing some other stuff that he likes doing with, uh, you know, he's throwing all the podcast editing. He's taken, spent a lot of time with photography, um, and still has that passion to fish, but he knows it's all sitting there. And he's like, I'm just going to take a little bit of time off of that because I need to. And I'm like, okay, do it. You know? And I think, I think that's another great thing too, is he knows it's there. Mm-hmm. And whenever he's ready, he'll get dialed back in. And I suspect that's going to be here in the next couple months. He's, he's working on getting a lot of, a lot of projects done, but I mean, he's enjoyed spending time with you guys mm-hmm. and fishing. And that's every time we come up there, he doesn't really give a shit about anything else. He, he could care less about fishing with me. He wants to go fish with you. And uh, <laughs> I'll never forget. He's like, uh, Dad, if I had a choice, if I can fish with Bobby Barrick or Bam, I'll go fish with Bam. I'm like, why is that? He's like, well, fishing with Bobby's like fishing with a football coach. And <laughs> I think I'll just, I'll go fish with Bam. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> hey, buddy, sounds, sounds good. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty laid back. <laughs> so, yeah. 
but oh. no, you know, and I, I went kind of through that same thing that he kind of sounds like he's going through now. I didn't fish for three, four years when I was from like 12 to 15 or 16. I kind of got burnt out on it. I wasn't into the whole fly fishing thing. It became real frustrating for me, you know. Um, but when I kind of came back into it on my own accord, on my own time, I mean, it's it was fishing is my number one absolute love in life, you know. Right. So, but yeah, on his own time now, I mean, and like I said, it's it's been crazy watching him kind of just grow as an angler, just his abilities and casting and everything. You know, he's got it. It's it's pretty cool to watch. Yeah, no, he's he's a he is a product of of his environment, and you know, and all you guys that have you know taken him under your wing and you know spent the time with him teaching him, which is like I said, it's what I've I've greatly appreciated about the sport. So with that, hey, real quick, what do you before we jam out of here? I know that was the plan. What do you what do you see next for kayak bass fishing? I mean, not KBF per se, but just the sport. The sport of kayak bass fishing. Yeah, no, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it, if you would have asked me that question like four years ago, I would have said, well, this is like the cap, you know, like, I mean, even like less than what we have going on now. Like back when we had 25 guys in a little derby, you know? Yeah. And I said, this is kind of the cap because when the guys are, are really wanting to get to a competitive tournament level, they're just going to go ahead and get a boat. Um, but now that I've done the whole boat thing so much, I've done the kayaking thing. I've, I've been watching the kayak fishing grow. Um, and then now I'm a part of it again. Um, I mean, I just, I don't see any reason why it w- couldn't be just as big as what our, uh, boat tournaments are now with major league fishing and everything else. It's, it's a totally different sport. Um, and the access to it is just so much greater than boats, you know, economically and just, uh, um, just in terms of, you know, being able to store a boat, um, you know, your vehicle that you need to have, I mean, just right. everything about it, it makes, it makes the competitive bass fishing so much more accessible to everybody. And I think you're going to see a lot of people that get into the sport because of that. And then they won't leave the kayak because there's no need to. Yeah, you know, I mean, why, why get out of the kayak and get into a boat when you're already catching world-class fish and, and competing with world-class anglers? Right. Oh, well put. Well put. All right, man. Well, that's it. We're done. That's a wrap. Cool. And uh, did we forget anything? Uh, did we leave anything out? I don't think so. No, I didn't, I didn't bring up any, you know, hardcore techniques. You know, we didn't discuss chatterbaits intentionally. There's, there's been enough of that, and you know, you already know. Yeah, I'm seriously, that anyway, would be so that'd be an hour. <laughs> go, yeah, probably maybe like, go over no, no, most no. people's heads, dude. It's like, what are these dudes talking about? Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, maybe, so, yeah, maybe talk about staples. You know, that's that's one thing I've noticed in getting back into this kayak thing is uh, there's a lot of guys that kind of just like struggle with like picking some baits and sticking with them. You know, it's like yeah. you don't have to. Every tournament, you don't have to throw a completely different set of baits. I mean, you can just stick with a jig and a worm and some sort of reaction pretty much all the time, you know, and just get good at those. You know? Right. So. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's novel how, you know, that people don't, you know, to me, it really is. You know, hey, look, it's not that hard. Well, and I started, it's funny to mention because I was going to bring up, hey, I already know, like, if I get in the boat, and you've only got three rods. There's going to be a jig, a chatterbait, and a buzzbait, or a wapa plopper, you know, or a frog, something mm-hmm. on that top water. Um, but probably those three things. And I know you still, you know, you still throw a crankbait quite a bit, but um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I was going to bring bring that up, but you know, I think everybody covers so much of the fishing stuff anyway. You know, routinely right. that it kind. Yeah, you know, just want to becomes redundant after a while. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, ever. Yeah, know. I just and, and once again, you know, trying to get this where we're evolving and discussing a lot less of that shit and more life and you know, just day to day. So, all right. This is a public service announcement for everybody who is listening at the moment. Please stay tuned for part two. I would like to give a shout out to our sponsor, Calico's Fishing. Mm-hmm. Anyways, here's part two. All right, man, look, we'll just jump into it because obviously uh, last time we talked, we got yeah, so much crap that we can talk about. We skipped out on this two-day, 200-inch barrier that was finally broken. So, yeah, funny how that happens. We forgot. We get all giddy about other crap. So, and we and it's funny too because you and I joked around about yep, not yep. after it was it was over, not having a chatterbait discussion, which was a good <laughs> thing because you and I could both carry on for a day the just on chatterbait. The unavoidable. <laughs> so here we are, and the irony is your big day or days on the Delta came from. So all right, yeah. Without any so, further ado, why don't you uh, just give her, give everybody the. The knockdown drag out on how that event went and uh, kind of what your approach was on it. Kind of leading up to that event, I had fished for, I don't know, pretty much that month before I had a couple of boat tournaments. So I had fished all over the Delta in my boat and I was struggling to catch five fish, fishing like a lot of my good water that I prize as, as being my honey holes and was, wasn't able to catch a limit really. So I decided for that tournament, I said, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to run to this area on the colony right. that I have not fished in several months but the last time that i was in there i witnessed a guy pull 30 pounds uh, right across from me so i was like i, I know the right fish are in there and i'm just gonna give, give it a shot and it's somewhere that i had fished for tournaments in the past um and have done well in uh, but i'd never really broke 20 pounds in that area but i figured i could probably get on 20 pounds so i went in there and i was fishing like the stretches i normally like to fish in the area and i wasn't getting any bites and I was kind of right. stressing out, and I cycled through all my baits. I started the day off with a popper. wasn't working, so I thought, well, they're not coming up. I'll try the chatterbait. I threw the chatterbait for a while. Nothing. I got it snagged in a tree. I broke it off, and I figured that's a sign that the chatterbait is not working. I'm just going to leave the rod chilling with no bait on it. So I throw a Ned rig around for a while, which which is kind of like – been a secret for me and is throwing a Ned rig that I Texas rig on the head and throw it heavy cover. It's like nothing else is working that that will. And I picked up one small one on it and I threw it for another like 40 minutes and wasn't getting bites. And I thought, man, you know, there's the fish just aren't in this area. If I'm not getting right. bit on anything, they're just not here. I'm going to work my way out towards the, the main river, towards current. Maybe there's something going on over there. And I didn't have a fish finder on me. I, I was just kind of doing the old finger test in the water, checking to see if it was warm. And it felt like bathtub type water. So thought uh, maybe some cooler waters out by the main channel. Let's go give that a shot. So I was working my way out towards the main channel and I uh, was throwing a square bill and I was picking up some fish. They were small, like 12 to 13 inch fish. That kind of gave me my first clue that, okay, the chatterbait is on. If they're eating the square bill, they're eating something moving. I'm going to switch to the chatter and I think I can up my, my fish size, you know? And so I went ahead, I tied the chatter bait back on and I was kind of drifting with the wind and the, and the current as I was doing this. And I kind of got around this point 
And once I got around the point and I had the chatterbait tied on and ready to go, the grass had changed. It, it kind of, it wasn't a solid line going down the bank anymore. It was more clumpy and there was lanes in between the grass. And I thought, I thought, all right, this looks good. And so I make my first cast with the chatter after tying it back on. And I never felt the bite, but I saw my line just kind of not coming straight back to me, but right. sort of kind of swimming off to the side, but I still felt my blade working. And I thought that just doesn't look right. So I set the hook. And it took off towards the main channel, and I said, oh, man, I got a big striper. And it was kind of giving me the old sleigh ride, and by the time I caught up to it, it was, I only had like 10 feet of line yeah. out, and that fish came jumping out of the water, and it was a big old eight-pounder. I thought, oh, my gosh, no way, you know. And so I get it, get it up to the boat. I reach for my net, and my net is nowhere to be found. So I'm going, oh, my gosh, you know, I forgot my freaking net at home. So – I oh, managed to lift crap. the fish and get it in the boat. I'm going, oh, all right, that's good. That's Hopefully that yeah. wasn't a fluke. And like 10 minutes later, I, I caught a, a 17 and a half. And then I caught a, a, I think it was a 20-inch fish. And then just from then on, it just got crazy. And I was just catching fish after fish and just kept catching these big monster bass. And they were all stacked up in this quarter-mile stretch. And sort of the main thing that I caught on to with that bite was not only that they're eating the chatterbait, mm. but it was the situation that I was finding that I could present that bait to them in the best way. So I was, I kind of figured out the depth of grass that those fish wanted that bait in and they wanted it rolled real slow. Like they wanted it on the bottom if I could get it there. So if the grass was too thick, there was just no way that I could even get that bait in front of them the right way. So as I figured out just, the density or the depth of grass that they wanted that bait in, I was just skipping over all the dead water that would either have too much grass or uh, the grass was too close to the surface or not enough. Right. And it changed throughout the day with the tide. I just say, yeah, it's tidal. So, I mean, that's a ever, ever changing event. Right. So yeah, as, as the tide, yeah. So as the tide was changing, I, the areas that I was catching fish in earlier in the day were no longer providing fish for me. So I was having to kind of make these slight adjustments throughout the day, just looking for the right grass. And that kind of made it up for me. So by the end of Saturday, I think I had a 101 inches, I want to say. Mm -hmm. And um, I really, honestly, I was so surprised that I got that bag out of there to begin with. I thought there's no way I can do this for two days. You know, right. but I mean, why would I go anywhere else after having that day? So I thought, absolutely, we'll just try. At least it's a starting spot. Exa you know? Exactly. And I thought, well, I'll just go back tomorrow and try it again and see what happens. And as I was driving home and kind of thinking about the day and then thinking about my plan for the next day. And getting the net. I was, and getting, all, yeah, <laughs> definitely grabbing the net and throwing it in the truck. That's the first thing I did when I got home. Yeah. I, I was kind of just thinking to myself what am I going to do for the first like two hours? You know, cause it was a falling tide. So it started out as, as a high tide in the morning, pretty much when we started fishing and then it was dropping out throughout the day. So right. with, with too much water, the grass was just too deep, like on pretty much the whole area for in the morning. Mm -hmm. so, so I was thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know, and then pretty much uh you know the tide's always an hour later if, if you go if you go one day and you go back out again the next uh you know that's going to be a similar tide but it's going to be doing its movements an hour later 
Right. So, so if I had two hours of dead time on Saturday, I, I was figuring I'm going to have three hours of dead time on tomorrow on Sunday. Yeah. So I was like, I need to figure out. Did you stay, did you stay home and watch cartoons? <laughs> yeah. I was, about it. I was like, you know, I could just get out later and just kind of just only fish the time because the weather was nasty. So I figured I could just right. get out later and, and just kind of take care of business uh, when I think I need to be there, or I could try to figure something out a little bit earlier, just a different bite. So, so what I initially ended up doing is I, I went out to that, that very first spot where I caught that eight pounder and I threw the chatter a couple of times and I just couldn't get any contact. I was just feeling no grass on the way back. So I was like, man, this ain't going to work out. And I was getting no bites. So I said, well, maybe I'll fish a jig. So I started throwing a jig along the bank and just wasn't getting bites. It felt right. Everything seemed right, but they just weren't wanting the jig. And so I said, man, I, I got to do something different. So I kind of looked back on my previous day and I was trying to think like, where were those more shallow grass areas where I couldn't even throw the bait? Maybe those will be at the right height now, you know? And so, I, right. so I kind of figured I'm going to go out and work that way. So I went, went out towards those shallower grass beds and just kind of lucked out and they were just at the right depth with the tide that I was at. And once I got to those shallower beds, I started catching fish and it was kind of just like a repeat of the day before. I just was throwing the chatter through the right depth of grass and just kept with it for the whole day. And I was catching huge fish throughout the day. And I think I lost the biggest bass I've ever hooked into in my life. It I had to have been 13, 14, 15 pounds. Mm, that's, that sucks. It was incredible. It straightened out a chatter hook like it was nothing. Really? Yeah. It was, it was something else. I, and it was just a really weird bite. I, the wind had picked up real bad and it was at my back. So I was, right. I was really like just hauling ass towards my bait, you know. And it felt weird for a while, but I couldn't really catch up to it enough to like see what was going on. And my bait was just off the end of, my, off the, end of the nose of my boat. And I just saw a flash, you know, and I said, huh, that looked like a fish. And I reared back on it. And this fish just so calmly just came up with the bait and everything to the side of my boat. And I freaked out when I saw it. And then the fish freaked out, flopped over a couple times and went straight down, bit my rod over as far as it could go and shot my chatterbait straight back up at me. And it was all straightened out. And I, I couldn't believe it. Did the, the did you see a, a, a fin pop out the side in the shape of a, you know, like flipping you off as it did it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looked like Jaws dorsal fin, <laughs> you know. Yeah, right. I mean, because that, that's how I felt. You know, I've, I've lost a couple of nice ones in every dadgum time. It's, I think that fish just flipped me off. I mean, I think it's down there laughing at me. This is not fair. Yeah, that's, that's really how it felt because it was just such a weird situation and everything. It's like, come on, why didn't you bite when, like, you know, when I was really ready for you? You know, I could, right. I think I could have got you, you know, but those smart fish, man, they're, they're that big and that smart still swimming out there for a reason. For a reason. Exactly. Exactly. All right, man. Well, like I said, I wanted to make sure we kind of covered down on that. So what was your total when it was all said and done? Uh, my total, I, I, I can't, I, I want to say it was 201 inches is what I ended up after the two days. Um, 201. 201, I want to say. So that was I don't know. I didn't go into the event thinking that I could catch that type of bag, but it happened, and I'm so glad it did. It was awesome. Yeah, it's freaking fantastic, man. Fantastic. All right, brother. Well, look, man, it's a Friday, you know, fish wrap Friday for that matter, but this isn't part of the fish wrap. And uh, 
I'm sure you got things to do this weekend. Yeah, I'm headed out to Maloney's here in about two hours. Gee, I didn't see Maloney's in your in the cards for you. I mean, would you pop a fourth place finish on the last one there? Yeah, last event. Got fourth up there, but man, I I lost that ten pounder the following day, and then I've been right. I've been fishing up there ever since. The the bite at Maloney's is so good right now with the jig. It's just it's insane. Yeah, it sounds like it. It's one of those things. Uh, can I get some time off? I need to go north. Exactly. No. Yeah. Nope. Not, not. It's not in the cards. Uh, not right now. We'll make it. We're gonna make it so next year, though. We're gonna, there's gonna be more fishing in this person's life. There you go. Oh shit. Good. All right, man. We'll get at it. And uh, I appreciate the time as always. We'll talk at you soon. And uh, yeah. You got anything else for anybody or no? You good? I'm good. You got fishing. You got fishing to prep for. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta tie up some rods. All right, guys, thanks for staying tuned. That was part two of this episode. Obviously, Dad decided to call Bam back and talk about how the Delta Channel went for him. Tight lines, everyone. Catch you in the next one.